Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with Notre Dame legend Rick Meyer. All right, let's do this. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today we sit down with a 12-year NFL veteran and a Notre Dame legend. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Meyer. Rick, thanks for coming on the program. Booney, thanks, buddy. Good to hear your voice. Uh, you know, Meyer, uh, having you on the podcast kind of goes against all my moral principles. My brother <laughs> and my daughter may not speak to me after this. Uh, Notre Dame legends usually aren't welcome here. I did make an exception, though, for, for Digger Phelps, so, so I guess it's all right. Well, look, man, um, I played golf today with two USC Trojans, and then I'm doing some time with the Boone this evening. So, what? I mean, what a day for me, right? What a day. Who are the Trojans? <laughs> Uh, good buddy Jeff Diltz, who played tight end, and my pal Ben Francois, who came down from uh, Newport Beach, and it was just like a USC Trojan reunion for me. So, you're, you're the you're the third. You should have played golf with us. That would have been perfect. Well, I wasn't invited. Yeah, I barely was. So, yeah, next time. <laughs> All right, grew up in Indiana. Uh, Rick Meyer is a kid. I mean, what was it like growing up? Football, obviously. Other sports. Take me through it. Oh, we did everything, you know, back in the 80s, I, 70s and 80s. I, I uh, Whatever was in season was our favorite sport. And, um, you know, we had all these kinds of pickup games, a lot of basketball, as you can imagine, in Indiana. But I, I, I my favorite was baseball. Um, football offered me, a, you know, education a little bit differently. But um, I really, really enjoyed baseball a lot as a kid and, we had to deal with weather and stuff, but my parents were teachers. My dad was a coach. I was kind of a gym rat hanging around practices and stuff as a kid growing up two days and, and football stuff mostly, but yeah, just active, you know, tried to do my best in school and played ball every free minute I had. And that is back when, when we were growing up, it was, it was so much different than it is now. And with the specialty and, and the kids, uh, for those of you listening to the Boom Podcast, uh, Rick's got probably he's probably he's probably got the most athletic family I've ever been around. He has three sons, and uh, they were all freaky. They got to you know my kids got to grow up with them, play on teams throughout the years with them, and and uh, you know it, it's different times now, Rick, and you've seen it firsthand. Uh, I know Mo tried out tried out uh baseball for a while but it's just different than when we were growing up you said you know you said it in the opening is you know we played whatever whatever season it was time for that sport that's what we played i had a similar you know upbringing in in new jersey where it was football and then it was basketball and then it was baseball i thought the cool part it was for me was you know you don't get burned out in the sport and when football season's yeah. over man, you're ready to put the shoulder pads down and we're going to go into hoops. Hoops is over. Then we got to my favorite baseball, but uh, I don't know if it's, it, it's good or it's a detriment. This, this, you know, the masses just yeah. 
you know, playing one sport wow. and just putting their all because it's so hard. And we know at the highest level to make a career of this. I look at the kids today and I think it, it's about growing up and having kid experiences. Plus it, one sport, uh, you have one sport that's maybe your favorite, but by playing basketball, by playing football, it teaches you about baseball just in a different yeah. way. And, and I think that's beneficial. What are your thoughts on it? I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I'll be careful. I, I hate to say anything, you know, negative about somebody who's really good at one thing and all that, but the burnout part, I, I just couldn't, there's no way I could do that. I mean, you and I try to play a lot of golf after playing our sports and you, I mean, I can't practice like those the real golfers practice and stuff. So it just gave me a glimpse of what, if you just played baseball all year as a 12 year old or football or hockey or anything else, it's just, you just need a break. And, and I, you know, by accident, that's what we got the way we did it. We also didn't have video games and internet and distractions like social media and stuff that these kids all have to deal with too. But I think variety is, is, is good for sports and athletic people and, you know, learn how to maybe not be the best player on the team in a different sport or having a different role and stuff. It's all part of it. And, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think, I'm not a fan of this NIL thing. There's a way, now there's now you know kids are leaving high school early to hurry up and get into this other stuff that's about you know pay and things and it, I I don't know I just I'm scared about some of that but you know there's definitely incredible players and athletes that focus and get really good at certain things and and it shows as they go on through the professional ranks but you got to be a kid too you know hopefully when you're 14 you're allowed to do that but it's it's definitely changed. Yeah, and I think with with the one sport, there are exceptions to every rule. You know, there are some kids out there that yeah. are. You know, I, I someone comes to mind in the baseball where he would be like a Bryce Harper. You know, it, it's kind of obvious where he's gotten to today and how he started. I mean, he he finished high school early, went to a JC and signed at the ages of seventeen. Was in the big leagues at yeah. nineteen. Well, that's a that's a freak of nature. And, and okay, I'll, I'll buy your argument with the Bryce Harper, but how many other Bryce Harpers are there that are trying to take the same path? And, and I think it is. I, I think, and especially for the kids, you know, that I've got to coach, you know, post my playing days, is my goal always was to, when they're 25 years old and they're out in the real world and, and they're going to work every day, I want them to look back at when they were 12 and say, yeah. man, that team was a lot of fun. Not that, man, it was a grind. And, and at 12, we're already a professional athlete. And that's what I worry about for the masses. Like I said, there are exceptions, but for the masses, not the, not the, the one here and there that, that you know, pulls through and is a success story. Yeah. I, I remember the Pop Warner years, you know, I saw you a lot in those, that, that time frame. Like my goal from day one was let's just get these kids to want to sign up to play again next year because, you know, this is a lot of time. And a lot of, you know, a lot of after school stuff and you lose your month of August and it it doesn't need to be a grind. I hope their memory isn't that it was a grind. And and I think the way that some of the leagues are set up, you're forced to, to, you know, keep up with what everybody else is doing. But sometimes these guys just need to have fun and get a break. And and I've now that my guys are a little bit older, like like you're, you know, your guys, too, you know, they can look back and they have fond memories and friends and stuff. But, you know, some of it. Yeah, we all went through where there's plenty of days you don't want to go to practice. You don't, it's really hot out or there's all these different reasons, but you know, overall sports 
it's supposed to be, it's a damn game. It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to compete. And, and you know, after it's done, you shake hands and get on to the next one. But I don't, I don't know, you know, if you invest all your time in one thing, I mean, unless you're Tiger Woods, <laughs> you're, right. you know, and there's golf <laughs> another, another exception. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'd been crazy to do anything else, but I don't know. The fact that he was strong and more athletic hitting a ball than most people, especially then, you know, that was the advantage you had. Now, now we have scientists playing golf and stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's changed. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the, the Pop Warner days, you know, when I was watching my son playing Pop Warner football, I knew he probably wasn't destined for the NFL, but if you ask <laughs> Jacob today at 21 years old, Hey, how was, how was football? He has nothing but great memories of that. That was a fun time for him. And, and I have several yeah. memories. I, I, I think, you know, like you you know, like we talked about, we grew up in a different generation, and that's just how it was. All right, Goshen High School. You mentioned your dad was a coach earlier. He didn't get to coach you, but he was a coach, I believe, at the high school you attended. Um, yeah. Tell me about those years, breaking all Jeff George's records. Um, <laughs> take me through those high school years and, and the prospect that you had become by your senior year in high school and how coveted you were. Uh, you know, for your future and, and where you ended up attending was Notre Dame. But uh, take me through those high school years. Well, you know, I didn't even, I, I got to dress a little bit as a sophomore and, and um, you know, the expectation was, you know, play, play on the varsity team when you're a junior and senior, like, like, kind of like it should be. There were no expectations. No, no. I mean, we didn't have anybody that ever went to the NFL. We barely had a couple guys, maybe that played division one that played for my dad. And then, um, when my time came, my dad stepped away to take on another career and somewhat because it was a good opportunity and a nice time to change, probably mostly because he didn't have to, we, he and I didn't have to go through that struggle that we might've had. I mean, we don't, we'll never know, but, uh, in the end it was, it was really a good decision because it took away all that strain. And he just was like a, you know, I, I wouldn't say he was a fan. He was a supportive parent and, and kind of was, basically could name the next coach or have a voice in that too. So I was going to be in good hands. And, and I just was growing up playing with a good group of kids and we just had a great class, couple, couple, two, three in a row. And uh, we had a good team and we won a state championship and ran the table. And somehow, you know, at the end I get a lot of credit, but I mean, I was, there was a lot of different things that kind of fell into place, but I worked hard. I tried hard. I, I, it mattered to me, but I didn't, I didn't expect to play you know, decade in the NFL. I thought it'd be cool to go to college and play football and just, just see what happens. But, um, yeah, the, the, you know, with the, the way that information traveled back then compared to now, I mean, you didn't know a lot about kids in other States. There were, there were some magazines and things, the recruiting kind of stuff. And, uh, my team did well and I helped that, but my team did well. So I got attention and then all of a sudden, you know, I was tall enough and heavy enough to be considered, like a prospect and I got a lot of looks. So that, that was fun. I wind up going to school, the closest school to where I grew up by, you know, never would have probably been the case had it been 10 years earlier or 10 years later, different time frame would have been possibly a different school and probably a different school. But, you know, a lot of people assume I was always going to go to Notre Dame because it was close. It just wasn't, wasn't the case. We didn't grow up Catholic. I wasn't, I wasn't one of those brainwashed, like, you know, cradle Catholic, like, you know, from the start fans of the, 
of Notre Dame and watched him every Saturday, like a lot of people, which is cool. But I, I, you know, I looked at it like, man, I visited UCLA and I visited, went to Florida State and Michigan and Indiana and talked to Stanford and all these other places. And uh, it's funny, the one that I really never ever talked to was SC because Marinovich had just gotten there, so they didn't need any help. And uh, not that I needed another reason to to want to compete against SC, but they were, it was just the one school that didn't, didn't, we never talked to. <laughs> and, and I didn't even know this existed, but when, when I'm, I had to do a little homework on you, Meyer, we know each other uh, decently, but you were ranked the, the best high school, not the best quarterback, but the best high school football player in the United States of America. That's a pretty big deal. When they come out, they say, no, it, it's great being a top quarterback or the best quarterback. No, I, and, and I was, I forget who I was talking to. But I said, no, Meyer wasn't just the best quarterback. He was ranked the best football player in the country. <laughs> so I'm sure those, those, uh, you know, those recruiting trips were plentiful. You mentioned a few of them. You ended up uh, settling on Notre Dame. And uh, starting off that career, no USC trip. I can't believe it. Marinovich, no, Marinovich, not, even, Mar- not, even, not even a whisper of that. But you know what? If Notre Dame doesn't run the table, win a national championship in 88, when I'm a high school senior in 88, uh, it, it doesn't look nearly as attractive you know, as it did. So I, I, I'm like, wow, I know all these guys. I've been around you know, a bunch of the games. You, mill around the sideline and you're a recruit and all that. And, um, I can play with this team and they're, and they're all coming back. Like, wow, I just want to be, I want to be on another really good team so far. You know, that got me, you know, in, in the door and in the conversation. So why not just keep doing the same thing? And that's, that's about as sophisticated as it got. I mean, it was fun, better weather, you know, different types of places to live and stuff. Different experiences was neat and everything, but, it just it just happened to be the perfect fit for me, and it was twenty five miles away. Go there in eighty nine. Uh, Tony Rice is the starting quarterback. Um, yeah. So it kind of eased you into it. Your freshman year, uh, you were behind Tony Rice. What do you remember? I, mean, for, I, I remember when I, I got to SC first time, I was all excited, you know, getting out of the house. I'm going to be my own man. I remember mom and dad <laughs> dropped me off at my dorm room at SC and got me all set up. You know, I got my little microwave in the corner and I'm like, yeah, mom and dad are out of here. And I was early, got kind of to the party. And I remember them leaving and I just kind of sat there and nobody was in my dorm room yet. It was just me. And I just went, well, now what am I going to do? You know, and obviously yeah. we all grow, we all grow up and we're forced to pretty quickly. And I had a great time at USC. But uh, what do you remember your first impression getting on that campus and and uh, touchdown Jesus? I got to go, and I'll I'll explain this later in the later in the show. I got to come out there and and uh, watch Notre Dame SC one time. Pretty pretty cool. From when you're used to going to the Coliseum for the weekend, you know, at SC, and everybody's gone by halftime, and they're at a, you know, they're at a, they're yeah. at a uh, frat party somewhere. Man, my Notre Dame experience, and we'll talk about it later. Pre- pretty different than that. So you're the backup yeah. in uh, your your freshman year, and then you take the helm and and starting in 1990. By the way, my SC, my my bashing in Notre Dame. The farther we go with you. Uh, it starts to look worse and worse because you, you continue just to pummel us. All right, take me, take me to, take me to the beginning. Well, 
I mean, instantly when you report and move into the dorm and do the, you know, for training camp type stuff, I mean, now all the fun, hug you, you're a recruit, we love you, can't wait, you know, well, that's over. You know, now now it's like go to war, go to work, um, you're getting scolded and, you know, you got to be everywhere on time and sit up straight and stuff like that, which was kind of un- understood and expected, but, you know, the honeymoon part's over real fast. It's hot, and it's a grind. And, you know, we're all, all the new guys, 25 of us, um, figuring it out and trying to, where, where do we fit in and who's going to get a chance to do this or that? So, you know, it was a day-to-day thing with how emotionally, you, you know, it, it, you were impacted by what coach said or how, how you did. You know, you're looking at the film like, man, you know, good, good plays felt good, bad plays hurt bad. <laughs> you're just getting evaluated for every single thing you do. So, it was instant that, you know, the reality kicked in and, and uh, that was even before schools, you know, and then you got to go to class and everybody's like a great student or at least very serious. And, and uh, that's competitive as well. So it was hard. I mean, it was less difficult for me maybe because I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have to learn the, the, the weather part and, and how miserable that can be. Like my son did, who's signed up for a fifth year and he's still, still there. Um, you know, the, that transition for any of these kids from out here in California or the Florida guys or Texas guys, I mean, man, they're just, you know, rain and cold and all that. That's a whole separate element that I was accustomed to. So, you know, it was, it was, I guess it was what I expected, but you know, some days it's really hard. The guy, Coach Holtz put pressure on me to be ready to go because he needed me to be ready to go for the next year, but he needed me to be ready to go for the next play in, in a lot of cases. And we won the first 10 or 11 games it was that year until we played Miami and lost, and that was like 23 in a row. So, you know, I just walked into a good situation, and eventually we were going to lose, and we did. And so we don't win a championship the, my freshman year, but we're like, okay, you know, we're, 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 we're positioned to be another – you know, competitive team, very competitive team again. Uh, but it, now it's on you. So as a sophomore, I got to start and, you know, I stayed healthy. Fortunately, that was probably the thing I did best. I mean, just be available is, is, is pretty valuable. And I had a, I had a three full seasons of getting to kind of run the, run the offense or spend the most time with coach Holtz in, 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 preparing for people and then dealing with stuff on timeouts and sideline things, which is, you know, pretty sacred and pretty cool. But um, we came up short and we're so close knocking on the door every year, but we didn't win the whole thing. We were, we had good teams. We had great players and a lot of drafted guys and stuff. But I, my experience was, you know, pretty incredible. And I, and I never traded for anything. And um, I, you know, the timing was great. My, the guys, my teammates, my classmates, to win the way we did in some of the dramatic fashions was awesome. And it's just an awesome memory. Yeah. 90, you beat SC, go to the orange bowl. You get beat from by Colorado, a little payback from the year previous. Right. 90, 91, you beat SC again. You set a record at the time, 18 touchdowns. And you're a winner at the Sugar yeah. bowl. You beat the Gators 92. You beat SC again. And uh, you end up. Dude, it was the ten in a row. That was ten in a row. I mean, wow, we can't it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It got big. Yeah, I don't know what a rivalry is, but when you win ten in a row, I mean, it's, come on. Yeah, but yeah, but come on, Meyer. What's what's <laughs> happened since then? What happened when the the liner days and the Reggie Bush? Uh oh, 
Now, well, now, yeah. now it might be stepping in it. <laughs> no, those teams are unbelievable. We, I just, I don't know. We, they caught us at the wrong time, and we caught them at the right time. But whatever. It, there were a lot of good teams, and yeah, I, I'm just glad now. All these years living in Southern California, that I don't have to take a beating from the S. Anytime SC comes up in my life, I'm like, all I could do is win the games I had a piece of. So that's that's all I got. Well, it's a, and, and on a serious note, I was I was telling you about us coming out. My sophomore year, and I was think it was 89, um, we came out for the SC Notre Dame game. And, you know, as a part of it, we played a, you know, a, a kind of a practice game against Notre, Notre Dame's baseball team. It was freezing cold. Nobody wanted to do it. But that's kind of what we signed up for. Like, if you go out there, you got to play in this game, and then you'll get to go to the football game. And I do remember uh, – Going from that Coliseum, you know, <laughs> halftime, everybody's gone. We're at the frat party. We went to a Notre Dame game. We got the bench seats, no alcohol, <laughs> supposedly, in the stands. And I actually right. sat there and watched my first college football game start to finish, and it was to this day. I've been to a few. I've been to a big bo- couple big bowl games. It was the coolest game. I think it was, it was a cold, crisp day. It was one of the coolest games I've ever seen to this day. And I thought, wow, now I had a little feeling what it was like at Notre Dame and the history of Notre Dame football. It was really cool. How was, uh, you know, I, during my, my baseball career, I lived in Florida in the offseason. And one of my neighbors was Lou Holtz. What was it like playing yeah. for, for that, that uh, Lou Holtz, the coach? Well, he's a tiny person. Right. He's a, he's a, he's a small guy with a big voice and we were terrified of him. It was, it's looking back. It's so funny. He, he, he had been other places. He, um, you know, had success, but hadn't won championships and stuff. And then he gets to, to South Bend and he went, he, he turns the thing around and he wins the national championship and I'm being recruited in the middle of all that. And I'm like, wow, this is, this guy's, you know, this is how you do it. And it, and it, and it really was, but, I mean, until I, until I left there, until I graduated, I was, you're always like uneasy because he was so intimidating and, and it's like the least intimidating looking person you should really kind of feel that way about. But a uh, ton of respect. Uh, he, he was great with the parents. I mean, the message was always consistent and he told everybody's parents, especially the moms, we're going to graduate your son. We're going to graduate your son. And, and that happened. I mean, that still happens. Uh, you know, guys can leave early and stuff, but most of them come back and finish. So, I mean, he just took care of the, the important things in, in your life. Like what's, what's important now? What are your priorities? Do the right thing, you know, win the games and everything also. And, uh, you know, we didn't win them all, but we, we won quite a few, but it was just kind of a, a great, an awesome guy for 19 to 22, 23 year old kids to learn from because he was kind of a Woody Hayes disciple, kind of that old school mentality, you know, without kicking and screaming too much. Um, it, it was, it was, the, it was like this father figure to a ton of guys who needed that and wanted that. And, and they signed up for that. So discipline was really the premium. And the first thing he started with, and that's what that program kind of needed to, to, to kind of fix when he got there in 86. Um, so a couple of years into it, I, I walked into a 
thing that was humming along pretty good. And we, we knew the rules and we didn't question anything. You'd be on time, sit up straight, look people in the eye, you know, shake their hand like a, like you mean it. And, and it was as simple as that. And that takes care of a ton of stuff. And, you know, I feel lucky because for three years I got to spend more time with them, whether that's good or bad. Sometimes I was in the doghouse or getting scolded, but mostly we're talking about what we're trying to accomplish in the next play or series or whatever. And I was, I had a front row seat to, to the whole thing. And the frustrating part, to be honest with you, though, is he'd do all these speeches and all these public appearances and stuff, which he's, he's really, really good at. But he would do magic stuff and he'd tell jokes and be funny and charismatic. We never got that. That was not the, the, the version of him that we were allowed to. I mean, occasionally he'd, he'd do a, he'd, you know, some different off season or something. We might hear some jokes or something, but it was usually very serious, very, very much, you know, this team is the best team we've ever seen kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, it could be anybody. It, it was, it was a winless opponent possibly. And he's telling us with that, like, this is, this is a trap game, you know? So he kept us on our toes. But he was, in everyone else's estimation, like the sweetest, funniest, nicest guy. And we're like, wow, he is, he's hard on me. He, he's, he's not uh, letting us get away with anything. And, and, and that took a lot of years for that to wear off. And now I've been in contact with him, you know, long after. And he's just the most genuinely uh, thoughtful and, and, you know, kind guy about caring about your family and kids and everything. And so it, it, I got the, we got what we signed up for and more. He just wasn't like, he didn't try to be our friend when we were 19, but now he is. And that's, that's good enough for me. That's, that's better. That's better than the other way around. Yeah. You mentioned he kind of does have a, he's got an aura about him. I mean, I just played golf with him. I'd play golf with him once in a while in Florida, but I'm, you know, I'm growing up SC guy. You know, I'm in my 20s, and I'm thinking, that's Lou Holtz. That's that Notre Dame famous guy. And yeah. he, he, he was almost like a caricature. He was, yeah. you know, like a like a Tarkanian from the Running Rebels or a, or a uh, you know, Tommy Lasorda of the Dodgers. Just <laughs> certain guys have that something about them when you're around them. It's like, wow, that guy's like. He's legendary. And it was interesting. He was. He was kind, you know, completely uh, <laughs> the farthest thing from, a, from, from the baseball world. But he was this, this Newt Rockney kind of in my eyes. And it was, it was pretty cool just hanging out playing golf. I didn't have to deal with him at practice like you did. The thing I, I want to talk about is when I was a freshman at USC and we, and we had Rodney Pete on the show uh, two or three weeks ago. And I remember my freshman year, you know, Rodney's a little bit older than us. And, and uh, he signed, I believe, in, in 88. Uh, he got drafted in the NFL in 88. So I got to play with him his senior year. And he was on our baseball team as our third baseman. But just kind of the difference between on a big campus like Notre Dame. Notre Dame football doesn't get much bigger than that, especially the time you were there. USC football, huge deal. USC baseball, not that big of a deal. So I remember... My freshman, freshman, uh, my freshman year going to the football games and thinking, wow, Rodney Pete, he's big time on this campus. He's going to be my third baseman. But, and he did though, and, and he talked about it. He talked about every weekend uh, on the sidelines at USC, it was the who's who of, of alumni. And right. when he walked on campus, I mean, he was 
a rock star. And I assume that you had a similar, similar experience at Notre Dame, especially after your senior year and what's about to happen to you in the draft going to number, uh, going number two overall. Um, how was that for you? It was, was kind of, did, did it make it easier for your NFL transition or was it something you weren't that comfortable with? You know, I, first of all, South Bend's a lot different than LA just, with the whole Hollywood part and, and, and the flash. Um, and I, I know what you mean about the sideline. Like, you know, there's, there's always all these guys and from Marcus and, you know, Ronnie and, you know, whatever the, even OJ and, you know, guys way back, um, which was cool. I always looked at that. Miami did it. And a lot of other schools, I'm like, wow, you know, we don't really have anybody on our sideline, but there's no room on the sideline to put anybody. So they, they, you know, now that I've gone back and kind of, gone through and pregame and stuff like boom you're out of there by kickoff there's just that's the that's the rule but um i was prepared for the media circus of the nfl better than most because i was i had dealt with it because that's doesn't matter where you live like when you walk into a press conference or you're coming off the field whether it's a locker room or whatever after a game or even a practice we had a lot of attention or I got a lot of attention because it was just the timing of that success of the program and the position I played. And I was kind of just accustomed to it. It didn't, it didn't bother me at all. So I go to Seattle um, and it was, it wasn't like a, I wouldn't, I don't want to say it was a step down, but there was, there was less intensity and less pressure to win there. The questions were different. There might've been a lot of people covering NFL team and everything, but it wasn't like, like they're foaming at the mouth, like, looking at you crazy like they're they're dying to know you know what 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 things are looking like this week compared to last quite the same so i i you know i felt the value i had as a as a quarterback was elevated a little bit because of what i've been through and and i was prepared to handle the some of the media kind of responsibilities and the time suck that that is and all the you know responsibilities you have um to satisfy everybody's needs, you know, re- relying on the sports information people or media people, PR guys to, to protect you. But, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't trained cause I was, I, I got to watch Tony Rice do it and, and play in a few games and minutes that didn't matter much. And then I got to, you know, have my time and just the, the pressure and the uh, attention built throughout those years. But, going to the next level wasn't a dramatic change for me. Draft night. How was that? Take me inside the NFL draft as much as they want to make the baseball draft, like the NFL draft. It's just, it's just not the same. Did you know you were going number two? I know you and Bledsoe. It was like a coin flip almost. Did you know you were going number two? Was there a possibility you're going number one? What's going through your mind on, on draft day? Well, I didn't go to New York. It's, it's totally different now um i couldn't tell you how many first round guys were actually in new york i bet you it was a handful like a couple um then it's so different but um drew and i have said for years and years we had no idea no and literally had no clue i didn't know until i saw them say his name 10 minutes later or five minutes later i mean we'd already boom we're now we're looking at flights and get ready to go but it, it really came down to the very last second and today nowadays you know they, they, there's contracts worked out before it even happens and all that but i didn't know he didn't know 
we were kind of fine either way. Just you can spin it however you want. Um, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I think um, you could explain reasons why it, it would have been interesting the other way around, just because of the some of the drama around Boston and maybe the New York or uh, Boston and, and some of the Notre Dame kind of support. And then he, you know, Drew's from Washington, so. You know, it, it was kind of it was kind of good for both of us to leave where we were and go do something totally different. Um, but we both had to go to bad teams. That's the worst part. Like, you know, looking back, I, I was so proud that I played from the start and started all those games and lived to tell. But that's not really the right way to develop a quarterback that's going to be your franchise guy for a chunk of years. I mean, to to be able to. To, to sit and learn behind a veteran like I got to do in college, for even though it was for one season, that's valuable experience. And we both got thrown right into it because it's just the way that works. And that, that's fine. That's just that's, that's life in the fast lane. And, and next week or soon here, we're going to see a bunch of guys experience the same thing in, in a different era. But, like, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big adjustment to go from college – Saturday to a big boy Sunday. And, um, I learned that, you know, (laughs) on the fly. And like I said, I was just, I was proud. I'm proud to say I survived and could, I could, I could physically play every Sunday (laughs) for 16 weeks, uh, that rookie season. And we won six games. I think, you know, from two to six was like a huge deal. People were excited. So it was, it was an interesting process that first year, but it, it is kind of a blur. And um, all I cared about was be, I didn't want to sit. I wanted to play. But if if my kid was in the same position, <laughs> I'd be saying, "Man, you watch for a little bit and then step in." And you know, I'm not going to take anything away from Pat Mahomes or or uh, you know Aaron Rodgers or anybody else who's done it that way. But boy, it, it does it does seem to it does seem to be like you know a little bit easier. If you if you have a little more information going into, you know, first and ten to start the season. Yeah, and in baseball and football, it's so different. You know, we're off to I'm off to the Carolina League. You're going to the NFL, especially being yeah. thrown into it. You know, that's probably for most draft picks, their minor leagues is like you said, sitting behind a veteran, learning, studying the offense, studying the plays, and and football is so much different because of the because of the intricacies of the offense and learning plays or, you know, baseball, there's no plays. But for those of you listening to the Boone podcast, before Rick and myself met in our adulthood, (laughs) we did meet (laughs) as kids. And I remember this is 1993. I, you know, I just got called to the big leagues. Lou Pinella is our manager and man, is he hard on me and we're fighting and he's sending me back to the minor leagues, back to the big leagues. So I'm on the shuttle. And I remember this big Rick Meyer. He's the number one pick. He's the he's like Rocky Balboa walking into my clubhouse. I'm sitting there in my locker. I don't know what I was hitting, but I was just trying to survive another day in the big leagues. And please don't send me down to the minor leagues. And here comes Rick Meyer just strutting through with his entourage. And I'm going, oh, yeah, must be nice. Number one pick. Try grinding it like I am right now. And that was my first impression of Rick Meyer. Years later, we get to meet. We played a lot of golf. And uh, we ended up being good buddies. And and our families have have spent so many great times together. But that was my – I had to tell that story, Rick. I had to yeah. tell it. The kid coming through. I, 
I couldn't remember how long. You, I mean, now looking back, like you were just you were brand spanking new too. Oh, like, I was surviving, new. man, and struggling. <laughs> like like juniors, Griffey's walking by me with his hat on backwards. Like, hang in there, young man. Even though he's the same age as me, but he's been in the big leagues three years already. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer already. Or you know, I mean, people, it, oh, it was, it was ridiculous. I felt like a child playing with with Kenny, <laughs> and we're the same age. That, that was my first real uh, reality check. You know, because in the minor leagues, you get through. You're the hot shot, um, the best player, and you get to the big leagues. And, and I looked at Griffey, and I said, "This guy's the same age as me, and I think I'm good." That that's a that's a little bit of a reality check for you know it would probably yeah. be with like a like a rookie coming to the NBA and Jordan in his prime like oh you think you're good I mean that's yeah. that's kind of the comparison I've made over the years but um you talk about how tough it is and and everybody talks about it never being a football player at a high level I have no idea let alone a quarterback but everybody talks about what you mentioned, how important it is to come into a new system, to be able to study the system, to get that wisdom. You're the number two pick. A lot of times when, you know, those top guys, like you said, you get thrown right into the fire. What is the biggest challenge uh, coming from a big program, college program, to the NFL from the quarterback standpoint? What was the biggest challenge for you? Uh, I think just the fact that your football is, your full-time gig and, and um, not that you're not ready to take it seriously, but it's like, it's kind of a lot, you know, it's, it's all day long. There's all this, you know, time and um, I wouldn't say pressure, but you know, the, there, there's all everybody, there's a lot of jobs that are on the line, you know, and, and a lot of coordinators and things. Now that looking back, I'm like, man, I made it hard for certain guys to keep their wives happy and you know, all that because it, it, everybody's just always nervous. Like everybody's con- consistently on edge because every game matter- means so much, you know, there, there just aren't many opportunities. So you can't waste a week or a, you know, a, a day of a, a game day or, or a month of them because everybody gets fired and that's sad. So I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, yeah, everybody's qualified. Everybody's fast enough and big enough and all that, but everybody's a lot older. You know, every, you know, I, my center, Ray Donaldson, had a daughter in college and I'm my rookie year. I'm like, Ray, just tell me where to go, how to do this, man. Like, you know, you, you, not that he was old, you know, my dad's age, but he was he was a grown man. And I'm just like just getting started. Like there, I had I had uh, room to make mistakes and stuff and kind of figure it out. But he's you know, this might be his last year. And he's like, come on, rookie, let's let's go. So the pressure you take on trying to just, you know, play for those guys and, and, and keep things positive. It was, it was pretty unexpected. You can talk about it and stuff, but it's really hard to understand it until you're in the middle of it. And, and then the other thing I think was losing. I just was never used to losing. And we won six out of 16 games and it was like, we had a great season kind of overall, but there's weeks and weeks and weeks where you haven't won a game. And it's, it's kind of miserable when you, you know, when you don't win and no one can smile and, you know, it's kind of hard to have fun. Um, that, that was new to me. And I, I was not okay and wasn't comfortable with that. And, you know, it just, I, I watch games now and I see different levels of stuff. And I just, the situations are so different from one, one, one game to the next, everybody's situation, who's, who's on the hot seat, who's comfortable, 
who can let it fly, who's got to play kind of, you know, safe and, and sort of small ball kind of any sport. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. And until you, I guess, live in it, you, you couldn't really understand it. But, you know, I just want to go and fight and compete. I knew it would be hard. I knew we were, we're, you know, not a very good team. And we were, we were going to get better, and we did. And that's all, that's all we could do. Now, I think with free agency and stuff, the way it's different and, and you know, how guys switch teams and stuff so frequently, you can probably turn a team around overnight. Tampa Bay did it last year. I mean, Tom Brady and his crew shows up, and boom, they he won a Super Bowl. So that just wasn't the way it was in my time. And, and you know, I – Mostly, I, it, I felt like it's like an Ironman competition just to take the beating and and live to play the next year and kind of regroup and get better and prepare for the second go-around. It's amazing how different the sports are. All of them are so different in so many ways. Different challenges, different perks, uh, but different cons, too. Yep. It's like, you know, I look at the, the life of an NFL quarterback, and, and you mentioned uh, playing in Seattle. You won six games. That's a lot of losing. And it's yeah. how great is it to go out there, have a big offensive day uh, quarterback and win the game. Man, you're walking around, skipping around for the next week with nothing but praise. The flip side to that is when you have a rough game, you get whooped. You got you can't wait for that week to get there so you can kind of, uh, you know, we got we to gotta make a comeback here. We, I got to get my win back. You know, baseball, it just, it just picks at you every day and – the good thing about going 0 for 4 and making an error and your team loses is you got a chance to 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 make up for it the next day. Football, you got to wait a week. So I guess I guess some of those yeah. years where where you go 15 and 1, man, that's a pretty cool year. But those years you go 2 and 2 and 3 or 2 and 14, that oh. that's a lot of that's a lot of soul searching. That's a lot of I don't know, looking at the ceiling. No, it it can be miserable. It kind of depends on the leadership of the coach and the organization and captains and stuff like that. But, you know, certain organizations don't know how to win as well as others at times or certain groups of leadership, you know, and I never, I know Bill Belichick. I, he was a coordinator when I was the Jets. I, I've never played for him as a head coach, but it's just kind of unfair that once you set like this thing in motion and the, and the culture is a certain thing, it's just contagious and it's, you can repeat it. And it's like, those guys don't know any different, but everybody else might be coming from a scenario where, you know, you're just trying to survive and, and keep your job and maybe, you know, hopefully uh, get a few more balls or score more, whatever it is. And it's just, cra- it's just crazy how similar everybody is by definition and, and on paper, but how completely different you are with your approach and, and just sort of the, the, you know, the energy around the building and, and the aura around the team. And, and, but that's sports. That's what's exciting about it. That's what, that's why the gambling part of it's wild. Like people are just, you don't know what's going to happen. It's, 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 it's kind of a fascinating thing to watch. And, and I, you know, I watch a lot of college football and I watch, I watch a ton of Padre games and we, you know, we pay attention to a lot of different stuff. I don't, I don't watch a ton of basketball, but I love the, you know, the, once we get into the playoffs and stuff and, I don't know. The, the fact that you have no idea what's going to happen is interesting, and it's no different as a player. You just don't know. You, guys, you've seen how many guys go in these slumps, and you're like, how, do, how does that happen? Well, it just does. Everybody goes through it, pretty much everybody. I guess there's a couple exceptions that never had a 
never had a bad stretch or too long a one, but it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, that's what's great about any sports. I mean, right now, I never thought I'd say, I wish I could hit it like Patrick Cantley. Well, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the guy's on, right? He's playing pretty good right now. Huh? <laughs> yeah. How's that? How's that flat stick working for you right now, Cantley? <laughs> right. All right. So Can't you talk miss. about it, it. It was a quick transition. Uh, tough to do. Go from college to to pro, but 1993. With all that talk, you're an, you're a all NFL rookie team as as a rookie. So the end of the day it all went well and good for you so there are certain people that can handle that you just said in the long term you think it's more detrimental than than a positive all right moving on tom flores you're coming from uh uh notre dame tom flores and and you had a lot of pretty notable coaches in your day wanstad holmgren parcells mariucci callahan uh how was tom flores um Coming from Notre Dame, were there was there any differences of that NFL first head coach? You know, he was. Um, I just got a chance. I was at the uh, Hall of Fame stuff in Canton in in August when he went in finally after all these years and got a chance to talk to him and and, and spend a little time with him and his wife, who was they were so nice to me and Stephanie all these years. But um, he's honestly like the last true like old school NFL gentleman like he he's there's others but he's he's in that that grouping um and, you know he's and he's 80 something so you know he's earned it but he wanted all different levels of player coach you know GM um a lot of Raider you know mostly Raiders but I, I was so lucky to have someone like him as calm as he was um, is collected and quarterback friendly, offensive guy. It was, it was amazing. And, and I, I, you know, I was ecstatic when it happened. I, I, I enjoyed every minute around him when he gets fired and the staff changes over my, after my second year, I felt awful and partially responsible. And that's just the way that feels, but that's just, you know, it's business at some point, And this is an organization that's trying to figure out how to make it work. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it felt different from the intensity we had around trying to win a championship from day one of training camp as a college kid to, man, let's, you know, let's improve on these two wins we had last year. So it, it was very different, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have been more fortunate to be around a, like an iconic, now I can say Hall of Famer. Um, there, aren't, there just aren't that many of those guys. And, and he was an awesome Head coach didn't show a lot of emotion. It, it sadly that worked against him because when we lost, it was it, like he wasn't throwing and kicking and screaming. So you know, in the paper, they didn't think he cared. But the guy, he knew more about football than any of us could ever imagine. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad I got to spend time with that guy, and I'm so happy for him now to, to you know, to watch him go into the Hall of Fame. Play in Seattle from 93 to 96. Then you go on a little bit of a tour. You go to the Bears, Packers, Jets, Niners, Raiders, and Lions up through 2004. Do you have a favorite spot you ever played, favorite city? Uh, I get asked that a lot, and it, I have 
it's easier to name the least favorites than, than the favorite. But I, I, I think Green Bay was, was an amazing experience, somewhat because Brett was still there, somewhat because we were a playoff team. And it's just like the, the most unique NFL town. I mean, Buffalo might be the same, especially when they're winning. But we, you know, we were we were we were winning in Green Bay, so that was that was that stands out. I really like San Francisco with Steve Mariucci because both the organization had a lot of success, and it was pretty recent. And Mooch was just a great guy to play for, and pretty quarterback friendly or very quarterback friendly, and we just had a good group. I enjoyed my time in Oakland because we played against the Raiders so many times. Um, it's pretty weird playing against them, but when you're on their side, it, it, there's, there's, there's really nothing like it. Uh, I, I really um, appreciated that and needed to learn that as a, as a, you know, as a human being that saw kind of the, the wrong side of the Raider nation. It was fun to have them protecting you. And, and I, I love that. And we went to the Super Bowl that year, but for the first of those two years, but yeah, I mean, every, every city, it's kind of, I don't know. You probably experienced the same thing. You, every place is good and bad. I mean, there's, there's great parts of town. There's great people. And then there's not so good if you want to let it be that way. But, um, football, you know, we spend so much time in meetings, like the staff, the, 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 the teammates the meet who you're in the meetings with and stuff like that meant so much and and generally the quarterback rooms were pretty easy but you know some were better than others and some towns were you know sometimes in life you don't you don't need that much to do like we had young kids when i was in green you know mo was a baby when i was in green bay or we were in green bay and it was kind of like that was the perfect year to just have nothing to do well great because there's really nothing to do and and you know, to go from there to, to the to the to Long Island and play for the Jets is like this culture shock and you know different kind of test. But I, I appreciate all of it because it was all a good experience. Yeah, and you never know. I, I think you know all the places we we play throughout our careers. It's like it will be what you make of it. And, you know, I remember getting drafted by Seattle. I didn't care that it was Seattle. I just wanted to be a big league baseball player. And I got called up and did, I didn't really particularly care for overcast skies and drizzling all the time, but it's like, this is the big leagues and, and, and I don't care. And then all of a sudden I get traded to Cincinnati and I'm like, what is Cincinnati like? And I went there and, I loved my five years in Cincinnati. The city was great, and I, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I made a stop in in uh, Atlanta. I got to go to a World Series. I came back to San Diego for a year, which was, you know, that was about as cool as it could be. Living in La Jolla, quick trip down to, to Jack Murphy back before, mm-hmm. you know, before Petco was here. So that was a great year. And then I went back to Seattle, and, and I loved my time there. It's, I think it's what you make of it. But you're right. I mean, there's there's good there's good and bad to everything. You know, the interesting thing to me is you talking about the Raiders and how it was a nightmare playing against them. But when you had a chance to play for them, you saw a different side. It was a cool side. I go up and play the Oakland A's, and man, those fans are mean. There's mean fans, <laughs> and then there's mean fans. Yeah, <laughs> when they, you know when they get like real personal with your with your immediate family those type of fans and man, I, i'd look at oakland i'd go there and everything really 
you kind of crossed the line now. You know, it's like I'm, I'm just here to play a game. This is what they have me do from seven to ten every night. I, I come out and I do the best job I can. Do you really have to go there? You know, I wonder what it'd be like playing for the A's. Probably be a different experience, but it's what we all go through, and and it you know kind of shapes shapes our lives a little bit, and and has you know we're able to have these little stories when it's all said and done. Um, so you retire after the 04 season, move back to uh, Southern California. I mentioned your three boys, uh, Mo, Ali, and Charlie. You know, I, I, I know Mo the most. Charlie got to play with my, my youngest, my twin boys. He's a senior right now at, at Cathedral quarterbacking. And I think Mo and Oliver are still playing the cross. Is, is Mo out of eligibility or is he playing this year too? No, he's playing as a, a fifth year, just w- w- even without the COVID. Like, he could probably do another year. I don't – he'll never, you know, consider that. But, like, technically, I think he's got another year of eligibility. Um, but, yeah, he's had, a, he's had a good experience, kind of cried through the, the, some of the weather, you know, strain in the, in the first of, beginning of it. But then when Oliver went to Michigan a couple years later – you know, he got to, he kind of knew what he was getting into, but still it's painful when you got a 5.30, you know, little walk down to the workout session at 6, you know, in the middle of winter. Like that's – these kids from here aren't really prepared for that. But that's what I love about the fact that they had to do it for a little bit because, you know, that's that's just that's life. And, yeah. It's easy, going the, other, it's easy going the other way. Oh, yeah, totally. East Coast to West Coast is easy, but you're right. The the the, fl- the flip flops and the shorts and all of a sudden, oh yeah. By the way, you're going to Michigan. You might want to leave those yeah. flip flops <laughs> flops here. Mom will take care of them until you get back. Right. Question I had for football today's football 2021, and it's probably nationwide now. But it seems like in, in recent times, the last 10, 15 years, lacrosse has really become big. And it's kind of a – it seems like all the football players play lacrosse. All lacrosse players, they go play football. Is there anything to that? How, how are they – how are they been kind of intertwined together? I think it syncs up just, you know, because lacrosse is a spring sport like baseball – if, if there were a one season, if you played, if a sport played in one part of the year, now everything's kind of year round, depending on how you're, where, where you live climate wise, but contact, I mean, lacrosse, it's not outrageous contact and football doesn't have to be either depending on the position you play. But I think hockey's the other one that's kind of mixed in there. Most of the kids that, that my guys have played in college with generally are East coast or east of here you know east you know midwest or east coast and a lot of them played hockey or at least are you know familiar enough to know what it feels like and it's you know there's contact i I think there's a little bit of soccer some of these guys too but you know contact either you like it or you don't it's not that they're real big kids or anything they're just sort of interested in bumping into somebody and and that doesn't bother them too much. So I, I've had a ball with learning lacrosse from knowing zero, I don't know, 12 years ago or something through a million trips to the East coast to play all these tournaments and stuff. And the families 
Yeah, you're right. A lot of the, a ton of the kids also played football, but generally they're like six feet, 190 pounds. So they're not, you know, they're not NFL bodies, but they're, they're athletic kids that want to smash into people. And Jake would have been a great lacrosse player. Your kid, he's, you know, hand, eye, it's all hand eye and just hustle and two handed, you know, the ability to learn how to kind of go both ways. Like, like you would in most sports. Uh, soccer, basketball, like, you know, when, when they don't know which way you're going, you, you got a hell of a lot better chance of getting by them. Um, but, yeah, it was fun that lacrosse exploded out west here when it did because my guys got a piece of it. And they were enjoying baseball, and they were fine. And today, honestly, guys, if you ask them, they'd say, we should have stuck with baseball because they see what baseball, you know, is on the, on the, on the bigger, you know, scene than, than lacrosse because – even though lacrosse has gotten some television and stuff, it's still it's still pretty far behind the the big sports. But it's it's made it's uh, made a lot of progress, and it's just really honestly, it's access to really good schools for a ton of kids, you know, that aren't D one football guys or seven foot basketball kids or whatever. They're you know, it's another it's another option. How have you been watching your kids? play at a college level, division one level. I, I know uh, for Jakey, you know, now this is his first year of pro ball and, and I was okay watching him through college. I kind of, you know, I'd go to the games and I'd sit in the stands and all right, got a couple of hits. You didn't get a couple of hits. And I figure he's, he's, I'll tell you, it's tough for me watching him professionally when he's an A ball. Cause I'm like, all right, now it starts. This is a job now. Right. And, and you want to help him so much, but, but, but you can't. So yeah, <laughs> I, I tell people when they ask me, I said, oh, I'll tell you what, watching my son on TV or, you know, on my phone in uh, in low A ball is is way harder for me than it was playing. I don't know what it's like for you when when the kids, you know, when they're young and they can dominate and, you know, it seems like they're always having a good game. But once you get up to a, to a high level where all the kids are really good, um, I don't know. It's tough for me. Sometimes I just want to shut one eye and be like, all right, did he make it out of that? How's that been for you? Yeah. No, I same. I think, I think honestly, like, you know, big division one lacrosse is as big as the sport gets there. There's professional and there's, you know, stuff on TV, but it's really not probably watched by more people than the D one NCAA tournament is. So we, you know, we've been in that, pool of 16 and and in some of those games not quite to the final four yet we got one more crack at Dapper Moe and a couple more for Oliver but yeah those you know those I, I'm uneasy in the stands I'm not worried about contact or you know being overwhelmed I just want them to have a good experience and stuff and and it yeah it was much easier to play and just not even think about it than it is you know, deal with everybody else and, and kind of find a way to make yourself nervous for your kids, which is human and and very normal for most everyone does it. But I think we were, we're, we're scarred because we, we don't, we don't expect to feel that way, but you get in those stadiums and you're, you know, I, you know, we're not shooting the last shot to win the game kind of very often, but there's some pretty tense moments, but again, that's, that's what, that's why you play sport. That's what these games are about. It's fun. I mean, pressure is a privilege, and hopefully, hopefully they get the bat that's gonna, you know, when the game's on the line. I mean, 
I don't know that I, I, you, you did pretty well in that situation when it mattered. And I don't know, that's kind of a, it, it's a lot harder to watch your kid in the spot, the exact same spot you were in though. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's been bizarre. I'm getting, Jakey's getting a little more comfortable. I'm getting a little more comfortable, but it's definitely kind of a fish out of water first, first time experience. Uh, had your yeah. buddy Bledsoe had your buddy Bledsoe on a while ago, uh, and the more you know, I look at a lot of my friends post post career and and in life. A lot of my buddies are in this wine business. You yeah. and Drew are in the wine business. Um, Tell the people listening to the Boone podcast all about it, where we can get it. It's Mirror. So I think it's M-I-R-R-O-R, correct? Yeah, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. That's right. Tell yeah. me how you got into oh. it and where everybody can go uh, get it if they choose. Well, yeah, I mean, mirrorwine.com is, is where the information is that matters. Um, Drew and I were you know, went through the, all that draft time together and we stayed, you know, very good friends through all our careers and playing and kind of got into wine and sent each other crazy stuff. And I know you had a lot of wine collected, fun, good, crazy, fun wines years ago too. And, and it, it was just nice to like walk into a little house party with something that was unique or hard to get. I mean, that was, I think we all had the same fascination with that. Um, I don't, no one's a sommelier, you know, we're not winemakers technically, but it's, you know, it's a brand thing and it's a marketing thing and it's hire good people, have a good team, make good wine, you know, find a way to promote it. Right. And, and, and it's just been a 13 now year um, process of learning. And I honestly only knew what the consumer knew at the beginning. And, and, and I had an idea what I would pay. If I had a wine, this is what I would, <laughs> I would want it to be. Well, yeah, now go do it. And that's um, essentially where we were in 2008 or nine or end of eight, beginning of nine. And it's just been an amazing kind of competitive industry. I expected it to be competitive. I guess I, slightly underestimated how competitive, but, um, that now all of a sudden there are way more guys, you know, basketball guys, tennis, golf, you know, race car, all these different sports and stuff. There were a few before us, but now there's a lot and it's really interesting and fun and cool to compare notes. Um, but you know, we're Napa. We do a little bit of stuff in Sonoma, some Chardonnay, and some rosé, but, you know, two cabs and a Sauvignon Blanc, all Napa. And it's small production, and it's designed to be a thing that's not everywhere, and it's kind of been fun to, you know, share it with people. The whole COVID shutdown, virtual Zoom world kind of worked out in our favor. Um, you know, I'll apologetically say that. I, I, I mean, it just was like we everyone had to figure out how to, do the best you can with what you got. And when it came to wine and probably other spirits and stuff, like people, people were home and they probably consumed more than normal. And we sold a bunch of wine, but we, it was also kind of something to do. And it was, we did tastings and some fun stuff and kept it kind of, um, you know, once a week or not even, I, I think some of the bigger companies probably were every night, every couple of times, just going, 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 but 
you know, we, we actually saw growth in that period of time because we're, we're not, and we're in restaurants, but we're not built to support the whole distribution and, and, and all those channels all over the place. So we're just in a, you know, six or eight States, some of it in the Midwest where we have some friendlies in Indiana and Illinois and Michigan and kind of where we're spending time. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been kind of more than what I expected as far as the satisfaction of growing the brand and, and seeing different opportunities, but also very challenging and competitive and, and, a tough, you know, the tough industry overall, yet more and more athletes and others keep signing up to get involved, you know, every day. So, you know, wine is a not, I wouldn't say it's a part of our meal every evening. It's, it's not, but it, it's designed to be, um, in everyone's home and appropriate. Sometimes it's just celebratory stuff. That's what's fun this time of year. Football kicks off and, you know, people are fired up and tailgating and celebrating and stuff. So we, we want to be kind of ready for that. But, um, yeah, I, I spent a ton of time working on the mirror stuff, representing the whole brand. And then now we actually have a, a second label that's called play like a champion today. We're doing a Chardonnay and a, and a Cabernet and it's, it's the trademark from the sign in the stairway coming down from the locker room to the tunnel, to the stadium in Notre Dame. And, you know, obviously the, the Notre Dame alumni and, and, and supporting people are excited about it and it's just lifting off and it's just happening, you know, recently. And we're excited as football kicks off to share those wines with everybody too. So that's, that's a whole separate thing. Play like a champion today. Wine.com is, is the other one. Very cool. Uh, college career, NFL career. Pick, pick or choose. Doesn't matter. Best advice you ever got. And that you would pass that advice on to your kids. Oh, um, man, I don't know. I mean, there's Stop. so many wise people, you know, that said things that mattered. I don't know. I, I would say, you know, outworking people be you know, willing to do the, the hard stuff. I, you know, I can, I, I don't have a thing that just comes off the top of my head of like one, one person. Um, well, I guess, you know, when, when I went to school, I didn't expect it to be easy, but I knew we were going to succeed. When I went to the NFL, I knew it was going to be hard and there was no promise of any success, <laughs> you know, and it, you know, you, you you kind of have to police yourself on how hard you want to study and work and, and all that. And I, I feel like don't complain about the results if you don't put in the effort and time. And this is just a football kind of version of it. And, and cause there's a lot of outside of the building time that needs to go into it. Um, I think Tom Brady's a perfect example of, of the maybe most optimal, you know, take advantage of the situation that, that, that there's ever been in the sport, but I don't know. I, you, you can't expect good results if you're not going to put in the effort and time 
and it's not just in the weight room and stuff. It's, it's, it's the brain work and, and everything else. Brain work is huge. And we don't have enough time for that segment. I'm, I'm big time into that. If you think you're good, you are good. But how do you trick your brain? Right. Rick Meyer, right. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and what we do each and every Boone podcast is we have the voice of the podcast, Dan Levy, come back with a question from the fans. Dan? Gentlemen, how are you? Cheer up, would you, Dan? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Okay, Rick, this one comes from from Derek in Indiana, and he wants to know this. Rick, what is the one college team you just can't bring yourself ever to root for? Miami, USC, Michigan, or anyone else out there? Um, Oh, that's obvious, isn't it? Emphatically, (laughs) Miami. Oh. Miami. Yeah. I I have two veto two veto rules or, or powers in my house for Charlie and I hate to say it but one's USC and one's Miami and I, I'm it's not even close how I feel about Miami compared to the Trojans. I'm coming around with the, I have so many buddies that are SC guys it's like I you know I'm over it. And 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 they're not dragging me through the through the mud because they kick their ass every year. It it was you know it was a little different, but I have nothing against SC. Miami treated us bad. They they tried to knock our bus over when we were going in there. They're trying to break the glass, and it was it was a hostile environment. And I know that's what they wanted, but yeah, that was that was a tough. And I love the and then Gino Toretta and and Lamar Thomas. I've been in touch with some of these guys. Like they're 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 fine, but yeah, I don't I don't I wouldn't I don't think I'm okay with Charlie going to Miami. <laughs> All right, and this one comes from Dan in Chicago. That would be me. When you did spend time here in Chicago, did you have a favorite deep dish pizza place? Gino's East. Nice. Um, that's not a real sophisticated answer, but it was kind of what we knew and what we tried. And I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking pretty much all pizza is good to me, but. Uh, <laughs> Gino's is tough to argue, right? Like that's a that's a that's, that's a solid that. pie. That's a is solid that, is pie. That, is that di- is that deep dish or the or the thin crust? No, that's deep. That's a deeper. Uh, yeah. I'm a Jersey guy. I like the thin crust. Thin crust is good, but you come to Chicago, people have a very particular stuffed crust place that they like. Is that like Uno's? Yeah. Uno's, yes. Uno's, Lumanati's, Gino's East, Giordano's, all very big places out here. Come on, Dan. You act like I've never been to Chicago. I was going to say, you're, you're asking me if it's thin crust, baby. Have you not been to Chicago? <laughs> no, I just, I was, I was, I was looking to space. I was feeling left out. Well, that's okay, Brett. We'll, we'll get you on the next one. Rick, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Mailbag. You know what time it is, don't you? It is mailbag time. It's mailbag time. All right, Brett, this one comes from Jimmy in Boca Raton, and he wants to know this. Who is your rookie of the year leaders in each league? Uh, Rookie of the year would be, I don't know. So let's let's scratch that. Yeah, we should call the segment "Stump the Boon." Stump the Boon. I don't know. That's the one segment that I haven't really studied yet. 
I'll do that in the next couple of weeks. All right, that'll be a uh, uh, I think an IOU, Jimmy. Yeah, that's an IOU. I, I I'm I'm thinking, but I, I've got to find out who has rookie status and who doesn't, because I might be speaking of somebody that that doesn't have rookie status and somebody that I I have no idea. I'd have to do a little research. Jimmy, you stumped the moon. You stumped me. It wasn't even close. All right, back in the bag we go. All right, Booner, this one comes from Craig in Arizona. Brett, what is a getaway day like after a home series and you're leaving for a cross-country flight after the game? Compare a happy flight to a tough loss before getting on that plane. Woo, happy flight. Well, every flight could be a happy flight if you want it to be, Dad. (laughs) Uh, My drinking days are over. I I don't drink anymore, but... uh, you know, it seems like back in the day, you'd find a way. I mean, it, it, it becomes just kind of a part of your life and you really don't think twice about it. I mean, obviously, it's everything is, is uh, you know, really first class service. I mean, we get on a nice bus and we, get, we, we finish the game. We take a shower. We put a suit on. We get on a nice bus. We go to the airport. We have a private flight to wherever we're going. Uh, we have the same staff that we have on every flight. And the food's really nice. So they make it as enjoyable uh, as possible. Sometimes you're tired. I mean, you know, it depends on how many games you've played in a row, what where you are in the season. Sometimes you just get some sleep on the way to the next the next place. But like I said, <laughs> everybody can have a happy flight if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, everything is forgettable. All right, that's going to do it for this year, Brett Boom Podcast. My name is Dan Levy, technical director, producer, and the voice of the Boom Podcast. Executive producer is Rich Herrera. Digital content all gets uploaded by Liz Landry. Please share the Boom Podcast with neighbors, friends. Make sure you subscribe to the Boom podcast so you never miss an episode of the show while you're at it please give us a five-star rating and share your feelings about the podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show for all of us here on the boom podcast i'm dan levy thanks for listening see you on the next one